Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Philosophy and literature. And now it's time for novel writing, which today comes from the West Country, from Dorset. And the crowd goes quiet now as Hardy settles himself down at the desk, body straight, shoulders relaxed, pen held lightly but firmly in the right hand. He dips the pen in the ink and he's off. Can we learn truth by reading fiction? It's the first word, but it's not a word. Oh no, it's a doodle way up on the top of the left-hand margin. It's a piece of meaningless scribble. Literature as philosophy. But he's off again, and here he goes. The first word of Thomas Hardy's new novel at 10.35 on this very lovely morning. It's three letters, it's the definite article, and it's the. Our guest is Lanier Anderson from Stanford University. And he's writing fluently, easily, with flowing strokes of the pen as he comes up to the middle of this first sentence. And with this 11th novel well underway and the prospects of a good day's writing ahead. Philosophy and literature. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Back to the studio. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KSCL in Shreveport, Louisiana, on the campus of Centenary College. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, philosophy and literature. Ken, shouldn't that be philosophy versus literature? Philosophy aims at the truth. It's written in precise, if plotting, prose. It appeals to the intellect rather than the emotions. Literature, on the other hand, contains fiction rather than truth, metaphorical rather than literal language. Literature takes us on soaring leaps of the imagination. Philosophy, step-by-step logical argument. Literature grabs you in the gut. Philosophy grabs you in the gray matter. See, John, I mean, I guess there really are differences between philosophy and literature, and I I think they're important differences, but I also think you're underestimating both. Some works of literature are highly philosophical, and some works of philosophy are highly literary. We're going to explore the relationship between philosophy and literature in three steps. In our first segment, we'll look at philosophy through literature. That is, we'll take literature as a vehicle for doing philosophy by taking a look at how certain great works of literature actually deal with enduring philosophical themes. And in our second segment, we'll consider the philosophy of literature. We'll ask questions like, can we learn anything, anything at all about the real world through reading works of fiction? What's distinctive about literary language? And how do works of fiction manage to move our emotions so powerfully, even when they're mostly made-up stories? And in our last segment, we'll consider philosophy as literature. Philosophers write in all sorts of literary genres. They write dialogues, meditations, pensées, fragments, and aphorisms. What difference does a literary form make to a philosophical work? That last thing you were talking about, take Plato's Symposium. It's one of Plato's greatest dialogues, and it's a superb piece of philosophy about the nature of love and beauty, mortality and immortality. But, you know, it would be really hard to distinguish that, John, from a work of fiction. It's full of metaphor, it's full of made-up events and character and conversations, and it contains these moments of high drama. It's a great piece of philosophy that's also a great piece of literature. Or, from the other side, take Shakespeare's Hamlet. It's a great play, full of emotion and drama, but it's also an extended philosophical meditation. 
concerning the meaning of life, the role of chance and fortune in shaping our lives, the nature of the self, the presence or absence of divine providence in human affairs, revenge, repentance. It's a great piece of literature that's also a fine piece of philosophy. So, John, it seems like you're saying that there aren't such big differences between literature and philosophy after all. Well, let's not get carried away, Ken. After all, I don't think I've ever read a philosophy book or an article that uh, made me cry, moved me to tears. It happens all the time with poems and novels. I didn't know you were such a sop, John. But no doubt, there's no doubt about it. You can learn a lot about philosophy by reading works of literature, and you can learn a lot about literature by thinking philosophically about it. Our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, went out and talked to some people who were equally devoted to literature and philosophy. She files this report. If they had been perfect friends, he should have maintained that as a hypothetical example, it is absurd. In the yellow lamplight of Nancy Wortman's living room, Ten people have gathered over glasses of wine to talk about Michelle de Montaigne's essays on friendship and solitude. Well, just that they did not have this perfect coincidence of mind. This great books reading group has been meeting in San Francisco for 40 years. Duke Edwards has been here since the beginning. We pretend that we have the author in front of us. He's there. And we ask him questions about what he wrote and what he was talking about. And he answers through the words in the pages. The official list of great books from the Great Books Foundation in Chicago spans continents and millennia. The works have a few things in common. They relate to today's world and to the great questions of the ages, and they can be read again and again without losing interest. But that doesn't mean they're easy reads. In a sense, this forces you in communion to do the reading. Vince Gardina is another longtime member of this group, he lounges in an easy chair in the far corner, wearing track pants and a plaid flannel shirt. How many of us on our own would pick up Aeschylus, Pascal, Tocqueville, Ibsen, Freud, Verblaine, and to read for just pleasure and entertainment? Chris Ostergren says the great in great books means important, not holy. While they're called great books, we're not obliged to venerate them. We uh, rough them up a little. For it is rare for anyone to respect himself enough. I think Montaigne does. <laughs> this group doesn't try to draw a line between philosophy and literature. Instead, the two meld and interact with each other. On page 121, he quotes Socrates. Socrates says that the young should get instruction, that grown men should practice doing good, at times, the conversation itself is reminiscent of a Socratic dialogue. Ostergren says he thinks the group is doing philosophy. I asked him what that means. It means to get to, to try to get at the bottom of certain basic questions. I'm not going to give a, 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 a very idealistic answer like we're seeking truth. You know, then there's the whole discussion, is there such a thing as truth, you know? Grace Ebel takes a simpler view. The main purpose of a meeting to discuss these is to give our opinions on what we think this author's saying. Whether it's philosophy or literature or drama or poetry, no matter what it is. And I think um, part of the reason we enjoy it, or well, at least I know that I enjoy it, is it's entertainment. We don't get to do it. <laughs> It's clear there's a lot of deep thinking going on in this room, although not everyone thinks the same thing. 
Members Vince Gardina, Janet Redner, and Bernice Hunold even disagree about the significance of the group. You know, in the normal daily life, you don't meet these kind of people. You meet the people who are into sports and the TV programs and the latest movie. I disagree with you that discussions like this are unusual because I know many people uh, who dis I mean, you sit down with them and, and discuss politics, something that's happening in the world, the meaning of what is happening. I think these kinds of discussions are very common. But I'll tell you one of the big things that I get from the group is that we differ so much. We've read the same thing and our reactions are so different because our backgrounds are different. And I love the differences. What? There's a self. There's yes. a self. But that's not necessarily so. Well, who knows? <laughs> The overriding lesson from this group is it really doesn't matter whether a book is classified as philosophy or literature. All great books can teach us about life or relationships or religion. The important thing is to read them and talk about them. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.